The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So over the last few weeks, we've been exploring bringing practice, talking about how we might bring practice into the midst of daily life. And we've talked about a lot of different things over the last few weeks. One of the main pieces, I'm just going to recap a little bit here at the beginning. Um, One of the main pieces we've explored is recognizing or noticing in that moment when mindfulness returns. That moment in in, um, sitting practice we often think of as kind of a, almost a, a, a throwaway moment or something. It's like, oh, I haven't been mindful. And yet that recognition of mindfulness returning in that moment, the, the noticing, getting familiar with that moment. And we can do this in our, in our sitting practice. Just get really curious about what does it feel like for mindfulness to be re-arising. Because that moment in daily life is so helpful to just notice mindfulness returns in the midst of all kinds of things, opening the refrigerator door, taking a bite of food, walking out the door, uh, getting into the car, going through the grocery store, at various places, reaching and picking something up off a shelf. Mindfulness can return. And the feeling, the recognition of it, cultivates the capacity for for it. There's a, there's one teaching that's something like the uh, the proximate cause for mindfulness is mindfulness, and like you might think that's hopeless, but because mindfulness returns spontaneously, and if we can recognize that or kind of get interested in that moment, get interested in that experience and we can get interested in that, the recognition of it, we begin to see it happens a lot more than we thought. And then we can begin to get familiar with the experience of mindfulness as it's continuing. Just in the midst of ordinary experience, I think too with our sitting practice, we, we think of cultivating mindfulness with some ordinary experience, such as the breathing, but we're not usually uh, aware so much of the level of experience that we attend to in our sitting meditation in our daily life. And so there's there's another shift around mindfulness awareness in our daily life that we just become of ordinary things. We know we're walking while we're walking. We know we're reaching and touching things while we're reaching and touching them. We know we're washing the dishes while we're washing the dishes. This is a form of mindfulness, and the Buddha actually pointed to it in the Satipatthana Sutta, mindfulness of the body. He says one acts with full awareness while walking, standing, sitting, while reaching, while bending one's limbs, while eating and speaking and keeping silent while doing everything that we do, 
just the ordinariness of experience, we can know that. And the, the familiarity with what it's like to be mindful helps us to connect with this ordinary level of experience. And then as we connect with that ordinary level of experience, as there's a little bit more possibility to be present for stretches of time, and we talked a little bit about this in one, one week, um, kind of the attempting to, or the exploration of carrying a mindfulness through activities. Use the exploration around neither tarrying nor hurrying, just doing things at a, at a pace that supports our ability to be mindful. And we can be mindful in an ordinary way around chores or things, you know, things that are simple that don't require a lot of mental activity. Just that recognition of, oh, I'm washing my dishes while I'm washing my dishes or chopping vegetables or reading an email while I'm reading an email. And, and as the mindfulness begins to have a little bit more um, continuity while we're doing ordinary things, it's like the, the, the mindfulness begins to spread through that ordinary stuff and reveal some of the things that are a little more subtle below it how we feel about it, what our moods, our thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs are about it. And this too, at a, at a, at a slightly, it's not at the deepest level at first, but at a, at a level that really supports our, our capacity to recognize whether we are suffering around something or at ease around something. How are we washing the dishes? Are we all tight and constricted or is there ease? So a simple, we, we, we may move into a, an ability to recognize when there's constriction and when there's ease in our, throughout our day, in our ordinary, in the ordinariness of our lives. This whole exploration takes it takes some um, resolve, I would say. It takes some commitment. It takes some patience, some qualities that really support. These are qualities that are listed in one of the, the Buddha's, um, or one of the, um, actually it's more in the commentaries, a list of the paramis, a list of qualities that are supportive for our practice. And resolve and patience are two of the qualities that are listed in this um, list of wholesome qualities that are cultivated as we practice. I think of these two as being some of the foundational qualities for daily life practice. Because it, there's so many things in daily life that we have habits about not being mindful. And it is just simply habit. It is the way we've lived our lives. We've lived our lives getting involved in various um, worries, concerns, plans, thinking that the involvement is the way through them. And not so aware, or ha not having really learned the possibility of being aware with them. I think sometimes we think that living our lives, if we, if we live our lives and try to be mindful, it 
It's like carrying something extra with us. And it is, it is a, a process by which the mindfulness begins to grow, but with, it takes some resolve. This, this quality I just mentioned, it takes some resolve. It takes some commitment to, I want to develop this quality of mindfulness. Now that resolve doesn't have to be like forcing ourselves to be mindful every moment of the day, but to recognize, to have a commitment to recognize when mindfulness returns, to recognize when we are mindful, to be curious about experience. That will begin to grow and develop that capacity, which then further strengthens it. So it does take some commitment. And I think some of that commitment is when we recognize the return of mindfulness, when we recognize that we've been lost, when we recognize that we've been engaged in things that are not helpful, that we simply start again in that moment. We don't like tell ourselves that it's hopeless or I guess this doesn't work for me or, you know, I'll never figure this out. The commitment or the resolve is to at that moment, understand, pick up, I guess I keep trying. And to to really, a piece there that's useful to reflect on is the deep habits we have around not being mindful. And it is a habit. It's not me. It's not me saying I don't want to be mindful. It's more that it's just the habit. And so to, to just kind of honor and respect that, wow, those habits are strong. And it does take some commitment to keep it in, the, in, in our minds, to hold it in our minds, that this is something that's worth cultivating, that's worth exploring. So that commitment, that resolve is, is such an important part of of the daily life practice. And then the patience, because it is so challenging. Those habits are so strong. And so the, the I think the resolve and patience really work together, at least in my own practice, have really supported me in my daily life that patience like when that mindfulness returns and I see, yep, it's been that way. <laughs> you know, it's like the patience with the mind that keeps getting caught, getting lost, and the resolve to just keep trying. With that kind of commitment, there is a movement in the direction of more and more mindfulness in our daily lives. And the value of that becomes clear. The value of recognizing when there's constriction and when there's openness, when the mind is tight, when it's caught in beliefs and views, when it's engaged in skillful, wholesome action, when it's engaged in unskillful, unwholesome action. And so we've talked about some of those areas too, how to work with challenging habits of mind, how to work with difficult content, particularly in the news. And last week talking about working with speech, how to, how to work with being aware while speaking. And 
through woven through all of this in our daily lives is because our daily lives are so relational you know we're we're engaged with being with other people acting with other people a lot of our exploration in daily life has to do with recognizing is what i'm going to do supportive of connection care concern love is it not harmful and so that exploration around ethics around engaging in ways in relationship that are not harmful noticing when we are acting in a way that might cause harm and pausing looking at what's happening internally the buddha offered us these teachings on ethics in our daily lives for kind of a a little like mindfulness bell it's a training to recognize oh this action might cause harm reflect perhaps there can be a reflection before we act if it's going to cause harm refraining from that action or you know in the speech as we talked about last time if if what we're going to say is going to be spoken in a way that is harsh or divisive maybe there's a way to say what we're going to say that's not harsh or divisive so the ethics is also a big piece of how we engage looking at are we going to be causing harm in our actions so mostly today i wanted to give an opportunity for for checking in and seeing asking questions so i just did a little bit of a recap to kind of spur a recollection and and then just to see you know what what is up for you in your daily lives and um, in the practice perhaps where are there areas of challenge or struggle that we could explore a little bit and where perhaps are there areas where it's a little bit more easeful where are you noticing mindfulness help you because that's also useful now in in having this kind of a conversation in a group form like this it's really useful in terms of the description to you know it's like you don't need to share a lot of details about your personal life in fact it's better not to because that's often where you know we'll, we'll go, go into a lot of story in the personal details and so it might be useful to understand just a little bit of context of having a conversation with somebody i didn't know uh, very well and they said something that really triggered me about some current news you don't need to go into what the current news is you don't need to, to describe all of the situation who it was but then start exploring how how was it for you what did you what did you explore what did you experience where did you get caught get caught in certain emotions or get caught in ideas or beliefs 
and perhaps there can be a little bit of a of an exploration of it at that level. We actually don't need to go into content uh, as much as we think we do to really uh, kind of explore the underlying habits, patterns, tendencies of what's going on for us in our daily lives. So, any any uh, anybody willing to to share? Or ask a question. It could just simply be a question also. Kelly. Hi. Well, uh, you know, uh, seems to me I'm here right now listening to you. So I'm mindful. I think that's mindfulness, right? Yes. Yeah. It's simple. <laughs> it's actually really simple. Sometimes it, we make it more complicated than it needs to be in daily life sometimes. So if you're aware that you're listening, mm-hmm. that you're in the space that you are. Now with that, can you also, so there's that piece of it. Can you also have a sense of, so that, that, is, a, that is mindfulness. And then can you have a sense of kind of your, your, your state? Are you at ease? Or is there some kind of tension happening? Is it just a neutral? It's neutral? It's neutral, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. so does it's that just, feel easy? Just listening. Just, just listening. listening. Yeah. Okay. And it seems like uh, mindfulness is always here. Seems uh-huh. to me. You know, everything I do. It, 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 um, there's a form of awareness. There's a form of knowing that's always here. But there, the mindfulness mm-hmm. itself... Uh, sometimes we'll get lost, you know, sometimes we'll get absorbed into something and, yes. and then we'll kind of come out of it. And, and it's like, we, we remember potentially what we were doing in that place, but we know there's a different quality in the, in the mind when we come out of being absorbed in something, maybe in reading something or doing something, having a conversation with somebody we kind of get lost in the world of our thoughts and ideas and aren't so clearly knowing that we're knowing in the moment. And so that that's the piece I was pointing to around noticing that difference. Mm-hmm. Notice that difference. You know, when that shift happens, that's really important. And then getting familiar too with what you're saying, like you're aware now that you're hearing me, Mm-hmm. That you're, you know, that 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 quality of mindfulness being a little more available and continuous, you know, that that piece also is worth getting familiar with. That that we can know, oh yeah, I am, I am aware, kind of a little more continuously. But then being curious about, well, how how do I feel? So right now you say it feels kind of neutral. Is there a quality of kind of? Um, relaxation that's with that that neutralness yes yeah so that's worth Mm -hmm. noticing that's worth kind of knowing that i'm here i'm listening and there's a kind of a a sense of ease that's Mm -hmm. with that and what's the difference between that and when i'm having a conversation a kind of charged conversation with somebody you know there's probably not that ease there's probably a little bit more bumpiness or agitation of some kind and then we can also know that like oh i'm aware right now and wow it feels a little bit jangly and that's that we can also know so mindfulness is kind of a 
you know, you get into detail. Well, mindfulness, um, I would say that as mindfulness gets more continuous, mm-hmm. it can show us some of the detail. But um, it takes some time for that mindfulness to get more continuous. But then, then there's when there is a little bit more continuity of mindfulness, elevating the interest, being curious about what else can, can be known here. So that's, that's a useful question maybe in daily life. What else can be known right now? Not trying to find something in particular, not, not necessarily digging or looking for something, but here I am. You're, so right now, that this may be a good question for you right now. You're aware as you're sitting here listening and sometimes talking and then just dropping in that question, what else is here right now? <laughs> is there something that, that kind of shows up? You smiled, so. <laughs> well, what else uh, uh, is just understanding, understanding what you're, you know, what you're saying, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So Try to understand what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. That's, that's what's here right now. Uh-huh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so it can be so simple sometimes. It can be so simple. But, you know, it seems to me, you know, mindfulness is always here. Seems seems that way, you know. Well, I mean, as I said, sometimes the, the way mindfulness is, is defined in the Buddhist terms, mindfulness is that capacity to be aware that we're aware. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. And so yeah, yeah. there is a kind of consciousness is another aspect of, of our mind and body. Consciousness is going on all the time or the, the kind of just um, the knowing. There's some part of us that knows even when we're asleep, you know, mm-hmm. there's a kind of knowing that's going on all the that's time. That's right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, whether we yeah. know it or not is a different thing. That's right, right, right. Right. And so the the mindfulness is that, whether we know it. Mm -hmm. And when we know it, that's that kind of curiosity. So it's not even just simply being about being aware that we know. Uh, It's about it having having that awareness with a particular kind of interest, an an exploration, a curiosity around what is it like to be a human being? You know, what is it, what is this experience like that kind of exploration yeah okay yeah okay thank you thank you kelly kate well um i can tell as you brought this up that, that i have to i'm guarding against the judgment of like oh my god you haven't been aware at all. You took a bike ride yesterday, you know, you know, that kind of thing. But I can recount in the mind a couple of conversations in the last couple of days where, um, where a mindfulness seems to arise pretty naturally when something's not quite feeling right. Mm-hmm. And, that in both cases, um, I'm happy great. to. 
That's really yeah, great. Right. Well, well, I always figure, you know, if if when the shit hits the fan, mindfulness is there. More important than that, it's with me when I'm riding my bicycle around and enjoying the beauty. But you know, I do notice that there aren't very many moments in the day when I just go, "Oh, I'm aware of reaching," or "I'm aware." You know that 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 has not been with me so much in the last couple of days. Anyway, when these occasions happened, in one of them, someone wasn't. Um, asking me about something that I kind of wanted them to. And and there was just this, you know, kind of hurt and blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of watched it and just like, you know, didn't, I didn't do something obnoxious about it. And then another one was in a conversation where people were talking about, they were talking about memories and things. And I was kind of like, I had been, I'd been working a little bit with this whole concept regarding impermanence. And so there were Things that I wanted to like say, and I realized that it was like a desire to say something that was somewhat contrary to what they were saying, coming from some coming from some sort of Buddha wisdom that was not clear enough in me to be able to do that. And I stopped myself and just sat and just listened and let 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 the conversation go and didn't do that and I was very happy about that that was a that was a very important arising of awareness for me uh-huh beautiful yeah yeah and it's a, it sounds like what you're saying is that you know it, mindfulness is arising when even little like threads of suffering are coming up and in daily life, that is fantastic. I mean, that's, I think that's a big place where mindfulness can be a big support for us. Support, yeah. Like, like, yeah, like I, I find that too, you know, that if there's any kind of suffering or struggle, it's like, it's like a mindfulness bell, you know, the mindfulness will be right there. And thank you for that. You know, that is so, it's <laughs> so wonderful that then there can be that curiosity. I think a piece there, just like you're saying, is to just take it in, take in what's available. And it sounds like there's quite a bit available in that moment. You know, mindfulness was pretty strong, given given what you described was was um, was seen. You know, that's pretty subtle things going on in your mind. And so that's that's encouraging to me that, you know, that when the suffering happens, that the mindfulness is available at a pretty, you know, subtle level, even in daily life. Mm-hmm. So take, take appreciation with that, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's really useful. And then, you know, in terms of the other pieces around, you know, the bike, you know, the bike, um, not riding the bike, you know, you, you could just do a little bit of an inventory. I sometimes talk about this on retreat, like where, where do we tend to lose mindfulness? Where are we not aware in our day? And so you, you recognize not while riding your bike. And so this is actually, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's not as important, you know, in a way, because in some of those times, there are wholesome qualities present. And mindfulness will support those wholesome qualities. So, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's wonderful that it's coming up with suffering. And that's, that's fantastic. But there's another big opportunity for it to come up when, you know, there's delight and joy present and letting yourself really feel that, 
It's like, oh yeah, riding my bike, I'm appreciating this. I, I'm enjoying the beauty, you know. And and don't get into your mind about it being greed, you know. Just just <laughs> notice, <laughs> you know, just just notice what's there. There may be some greed there, but there's probably also quite a bit of just being present and the appreciation of having a body that can do this. And you know, so so yeah, I mean, take in. Take in that wholesomeness. That's such. That's also a beautiful place to, to cultivate the awareness. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Gabe, and then Olga. Um, so, yeah, I have a question. It's about when something painful happens um, emotionally uh, and it's usually like a memory or in the moment itself, you know, someone says something that, that feels hurtful. Um, But often it it also comes up as a memory later. And the question is the mind is these days seems really interested in kind of gleaning all the information it can about, you know, what happened, why was it perceived as hurtful, what was really going on. And to some degree that feels useful, you know, and in terms of relationships, like if there's something to address with the other person, but I'm just finding my mind is really interested in a deeper way in the possibility of not spending so much time and, and not suffering so much sort of um, with those thoughts. And, and, and there's some intuition that like what's really a value isn't the thoughts about it, but, you know, something more on the emotional level. So just any suggestions you have around that I'd appreciate. Yeah. So um I think it's it's very human to kind of want to understand the situation, the whys and all of that. Um, and sometimes, sometimes the touching into when you're feeling that, you know, when you're in that space of in the whys, to sit down in that, if you have space to do this, I mean, sometimes I will, I will, um, be in a place like that and have some time. And if I just sit down for like 10 minutes and in that, in that time, just really let myself feel like that honest feeling of what's here. Like I was describing in the guided meditation, you know, not, not in a specific way, not in a conceptual way, but just, and the broader sense too, you know, of, of the feeling of that being hurt. You know, what, what is that feeling of being hurt? And then when you can kind of land with that and really settle with that, okay, this is that feeling. And often it's not a stable thing. You know, there's a lot of pieces to a lot of threads to it. It's, it's not one thing. There's a lot of like fluctuation around various pieces and we don't have to like name them or figure them out, but just like feel, land with that, land with that experience at a, you know, non, non-conceptual level as much as possible, just like the broader sense of how you are, and often in the visceral area of the body. 
what it's it's a it's 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 kind of somewhere between body and mind or something you know it's it's that this area of the of in the body i think is so connected to what's going on in our mind that um the feeling it often it is often felt in the you know the throat the heart the stomach the intestines all of that area if we can just touch into it not in specifics but just the the, the broader sense and then when there's a little bit of ability to connect with that, sometimes I find it useful then to drop in a question again, like I, I said, I, I, I suggested earlier, what else is happening here? What else is available to be known here? And that might be some thought or belief or view or, or something. There could be something else bubbling there. But often what I feel or find in those situations, when I'm able to land with that, the feeling of the hurt at a deeper level, and then drop in that question of like, what else is going on here? Not all of the ideas and thoughts about, it's kind of like it's, it's the, the ideas and thoughts about what happened and why they said it and what should I do differently. All of that's at this level. The feeling mm -hmm. seems to be at a, at a middle level. And then sometimes there's there's some kind of often it seems some kind of idea or belief that's that's kind of underneath out of which the whole thing is really spreading from. And sometimes when we can land with that feeling for a while, you know, maybe you know a few minutes to to hang out with that feeling, then kind of curiosity about what else is here. It could be a more specific, like what, what is being believed here? Or what is this about? You know, not, not at a conceptual level, but what else is going on with this somehow? Then sometimes there will be a little bit of something that kind of bubbles through that emotional level and points out the deeper underlying view or belief that's connected. And often, at least in this um, this kind of exploration, maybe from the perspective I have through Buddhist practice, you know, so I've, I've been shaped so fully by Buddhist practice that, um, you know, it does tend to come back to some of those core delusions that we share, you know, the 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 feeling of wanting things to be permanent and reliable wanting wanting things to to they're not to be vulnerability you know so there's some deeper kind of of things and when we can see where it's bubbling up from you know sometimes it creates a different container for for which in which we can understand what's happening at the at the surface level when we we see the deeper set of beliefs and views that are that are that are uh, underneath so that's that's those are my thoughts yeah thank you that. that's great really helpful yeah thanks gabe oka good morning hi um so i've been aware for a long time of um a pattern in the mind around discontent and around um, it's on a visceral level. It's on a very much of a body level. So, and this is in daily life on the cushion, off the cushion. I feel in the body, this sort of, mm, what is that? 
what is that, you know, um, slight discomfort? It's very subtle and it's very, um, it's, it's, it, and it crops up all the time. And I know what it has to do with. I've looked at it quite a bit and it, and it's around, um, Always this feeling of always needing to tweak something to make it just a little better, just a little better, just a little better. Um, and I have gone back and forth between paying attention to what it is I'm wanting to tweak, the object, so, oh, I got to get to work in that garden. It's just not to my satisfaction. Or, you know, that was, that's a simple explanation. Oh, and I, I fluctuate between that, going to the object, and, and then going to the discontent and sitting with the discontent. What is this discontent? Um, and, it has been very productive. And I also see that sometimes I have confusion. Sometimes there's confusion in the mind around discerning. I think I always should be with the discontent. I mean, that is like, that's, that seems very sort of root to me but the tweaking <laughs> the tweaking I'm trying to discern wise tweaking from unwise tweaking if you understand my drift here like oh is there any greed in here you know or or aversion like am I reacting to aversion in sort of a benign way that you know, that um, that maybe I should be backing off and dealing with some version instead of the tweaking. I, does this make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think basically I'm, I'm hearing um, a kind of a little, the confusion piece around. That's the biggest is it, piece. Is it okay? I mean, like, is it okay to do, to do something when I know there's discontent there? You know, or should I not do something? Do you have that kind of question? Yes, and 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 sometimes the mind throws up the thought. Just leave this alone and look at the discontent. Uh -huh. Sometimes it's like, no, it is harmless for me to step in here and do something. Right. But there's confusion. Yeah. Well, I think I think noticing the confusion, I mean, in daily life, um, yeah, I mean, I think look at the, the, the Buddha offered a teaching to his own son on this, right? It's kind of like, before you act, notice, is this going to cause harm? Is this going to cause affliction is the word. So it's a little bit less than harm. You know, it's like, is it going to cause affliction for yourself or for another 
or for both. And so the ethical piece there, you know, is if this is if this is going to cause harm, you know, don't do it. You know, so so look at it. You can look at it from that perspective a little bit. Um, if it's not going to cause harm, like going out into your garden, you know, it's not going to cause harm to yourself or other or both, you know, then go ahead and do it. But then notice what happens. I mean, if you are acting out of greed there, you know, there will be some, some, you know, like, um, you you may start to notice a tension or tightness in your mind around oh that's not the way i want it or anger or frustration you know so you'll you'll notice some of that stuff in your mind and you know maybe it's maybe it's um a smaller kind of greed there of just wanting right. it to just be so and you know so playing with that noticing what happens while you do the action so that's the next piece that the buddha said to his son so like before you act, is this going to cause affliction? Don't, if you don't see that, then step into the action and, and see what's going on in your mind. You know, what's happening there? Is the mind getting more and more tight? Maybe this is not so helpful. Or is it actually that the mind is feeling easeful and delighted being out in the garden? There's going to be mixed motivations. There are yeah. going to be mixed motivations. It's like until we're fully awakened, <laughs> there's going to be greed in, in our actions. There's going to be aversion in our actions. And so the, I think this teaching that he offers to his son is really useful to us in daily life. You know, it's like check, check the ethical side of it and, and then be curious about what happens as you step into actions. And if there are times, too, when we think something's not going to cause harm to somebody else, and then we do it or we say it and like, wow, I had no idea. You know, something was like either I didn't know something or I was not seeing something um, and and there was harm caused. And in those kind of situations, that's an opportunity for learning, too. So we don't have to like beat ourselves up about it. It's like, oh, I didn't I didn't see something or I didn't know something. What can I learn? What can I understand about the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And then the Buddha points to after, also after we act, you know, did it cause harm? Um, there's a famous, yeah, there's a famous story about a naturalist who, um, you know, when he was young, like 11 years old, um, had this butterfly farm. I guess he had this collection of chrysalids and he watched the first time one opened and a butterfly was emerging. He watched the butterfly like, like really have to work really hard to, to like open up that crack in the chrysalid and, and worked really hard to open, open the chrysalid up. And then, you know, the abdomen extended and like all of this work to like get out of the chrysalid. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, as the other started to open, this young, you know, 11 year old thought he would, uh, save these butterflies the suffering of that and he cracked open the the chrysalids a little bit more so that they wouldn't have to work so hard to get out and what happened is that they slid out and then walked around for a little while and died because there's something of the struggle of opening that chrysalid that is going to like help them to it's like there's a fluid apparently that pumps out over their bodies and their wings that gives them the capacity to stretch their wings and to fly. And so 
he learned as a young naturalist, you know, that doing something like he didn't know, right? He didn't know. He thought he was he was averting suffering and he was doing the opposite. You know, he was he was actually killing them to do this. And and he said it was a lesson that he carried with him through his life that that, you know, we things we don't know what we don't know, you know, that we, we may be doing the very opposite. And so this is a this is a way to learn. So when we see, you know, we may not be, we may be acting with compassion in our hearts and doing something very unhelpful, but we don't know until we see what happens. So, you know, so that's, that's something not to beat ourselves up for. There is, there is the sense of ache, of pain, of having caused that harm, you know, of, of like, yeah, that doesn't feel good to have, have done that. But that doesn't it, that that pain of having caused harm. We think of that that feeling um, as kind of like a, an un, an unwholesome feeling. It's like guilt or shame or something like that. But there's a flavor of that quality of oh, it feels like this to have done something that caused harm. That is is a wholesome quality. It doesn't have to have a constriction around it. It doesn't have to have a judgment or a beating up around it. It's, it's the feeling of, of that. Now we are, we are responsive beings. We are, um, empathetic beings. And when something happens that we do that creates harm, we feel that. And that's a good thing that we feel that. Like so a wholesome remorse. That's right. It's a wholesome remorse. And so that's what we learn from. And so, you know, to, to, to think of the whole process as learning that there's, I think the piece of, of confusion is that there's got to be, I, I've got, it's, it's almost like we think we need to know something that we don't know yet. You know, it's like we should, we should have more wisdom that we have in order to be able to discern, is this something I should do or shouldn't do? And we don't know necessarily. Right. So there's a learning process. And so, you know, it's kind of like look as best you can at the situation from the perspective of is there, is there greed there? I mean, you're noticing the discontent. Oh, and- I, it's been, because it's a very it's a very pervasive pattern in a lot of areas and yes. so you know I'm, notice and i think that notice too I'm sorry. whether there's any kind of so noticing the discontent notice too if there's any like potentially like going out into the garden is there a sense of delight and joy in thinking about going into the garden you know so yes. know that they're both there just because there's discontent there, you don't have to not act on the delight and joy. It's like they're both going to be there. Notice both. Honestly, honestly recognize, yes, both are there. And then see what happens as you step into that action. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of doubt around that there's doubt around acting out of a pattern that is so pervasive. Right. And sometimes the mind doubts the action and fee- and thinks, oh, better to sit with this discontent than yet again act out of it. Right. Well, that, that's an important piece. So when you notice it, 
Like, see if you can connect with another intention that's there at the same time. Yeah, I get it. And and connect with that one, and then let the let the mindfulness know the discontent as you step into it, but also connect with the other action. I mean, with the other intentions that are there. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a it's a balance. Yes, exactly. 